Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty After Dark. I'm your host, Calvin Timms. You can find me over on Twitter at TDC underscore Calvin or on the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page. And you can also find me with any questions you guys might have on the Dynasty FF uh, subreddit. If you guys are looking, I usually post on there. And here in the next couple weeks, like I said, if you guys have any rosters that you want analyzed, feel free to hit me up and I'm going to be starting that here in about a month, a little over a month, a couple days. So um, yesterday, in case you guys missed it, was my part one of my quarterback rankings and I gave you guys my top 20 quarterbacks. Nothing has changed since yesterday to really change my mind on any of those guys yet. So I'm looking good so far, no changes yet. But what I wanted to do today is the running back rankings. And to be honest with you guys, there hasn't really been much news today. It's been a slower day. So there's nothing really to update you guys on. If there was, I'd love to bring it to you, but uh, it's kind of slow and everybody's preparing for the Super Bowl, getting ready for offseason, trade talks for Matt Stafford, Carson Wentz, you know, those are still going on. The Deshaun Watson kind of drama that's still percolating through the league. But really the only important thing that's going on right now is just senior week for the college seniors. They're all down in Mobile, Alabama, and they're kind of preparing against each other, getting ready to play the game this week. And it's going to be interesting. There's getting a, they're getting a lot of good looks at these guys. I think Miami's hosting one team, and then the Carolina Panthers are hosting the other team. And both those guys are in need of a quarterback and some skill positions, right? Uh, I guess Miami's not in need of a quarterback, but they're in dire need for some skill players on that team. Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, I don't think he's at that one, but uh, Najee Harris is another guy that they're seeing firsthand. So it's going to be good for these guys to get some eyes on them from these teams. And it, I'm really excited for the NFL draft this year. I can't wait till I have a free week just to kind of walk through a mock draft with you guys. But the biggest thing that's kind of holding up my mock drafts right now is just so many unknowns this year. And I will say that as time goes on, the NFL in the off seasons has become more and more and more like the NBA, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I personally love it. And I'll tell you guys why. The reason why I love so many trades in the off season is because it really opens up value in a dynasty league for more players more often, right? So what I mean by that is Guys that are traditional dynasty players, you you probably all have these guys in your leagues. They don't really trade too much because they like to, back before there's too many trades and too many moves in the offseason, guys would just keep the same players every single year. So you know you're locked into a stud, right? Like uh, Christian McCaffrey, he's not going anywhere anytime soon, so you just know he's a stud. But if you own someone like Allen Robinson, you have the potential to really cash in this offseason because he's going to be worth a lot more potentially if he goes to the right team. Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, uh, Juju, for example, all these guys, they're valuable now, but they could really, really spike if they move teams here in a couple years. So where the traditional way where there was not too many moves in the offseason, it really kind of just made trading a little boring because you knew what these guys were worth. They didn't really have the spikes and the ups and downs. It didn't create the trading windows for these players like it does now because everyone's so now, 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 especially even in Dynasty where it's gotten to such a problem, in my opinion, 
that it creates these buy-sell windows that you normally don't see in a regular season when there's not too many off-season moves. So I love it personally because I feel like I get to cash in a lot more and really kind of capitalize on a lot of players when people freak out and they sell players at cheaper than they're worth or they try and buy guys that I think are selling really, really high. Um, For example, a trade that I just made in one of my leagues, and I fully admit that this is probably an undersell, but I know this league pretty well, and it's not a league that too many people make too many offseason trades in, and my team is not in dire need of a quarterback, but it's a it's a super flex league, 12-team super flex, and I had the 101 pick, not because it was my team was bad. I actually won that league last year, but I just got the, uh, the 101 in a trade last year, just a random trade, and I traded back from 101 to 102, and a lot of people say, what's the value of moving back just one slot in Dynasty? Well, for me, that value was Corey Davis. And like I said, this is probably an undersell by me because Corey Davis is kind of at his lowest point, in my opinion, for his dynasty value based on the talent and the opportunity that's going to be coming his way. But my team does not need quarterback direly. It needs some guys, um, but I'm okay for the next couple years. Trevor Lawrence is an awesome, awesome player. Everyone calls him generational. He's going to be great for the NFL. But it's very likely that Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or even Trey Lance, one of those three guys is going to be just fine as well. I can use one this, the 102 on one of those three guys and feel just fine. Or I can go for someone like Jamar Chase or uh, Devonta Smith or Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. I can go for one of those guys as well and just kind of push for a championship here in this next year because rookie quarterbacks don't always translate for fantasy in year one. So... Looking at it that way, I personally think that I cashed out because Corey Davis is about to be a free agent. In about two months, he's going to be worth so much more than what he is right now. And I can definitely flip him in about two months and probably cash in quite a bit. Now, you can make the argument, well, why don't you just trade for Corey Davis separately? But it's not always as easy to make those trades. I mean, I make a lot of trades. I flip guys like it's nothing in a lot of leagues because... I'm only in four leagues and I probably make about 50 trades every single year. I make a lot of trades. And when you go through these negotiations with people, it's not always that easy to uh, to kind of just get the players that you want. People have different valuations on players and it's not always just the clean cut. Well, here's the uh, 212 for Corey Davis. He's probably worth more than that. And I, I don't want to kind of struggle to get all that value worked out. So I did a quick and easy trade for that, again, just to try and capitalize on the value of Corey Davis here in a couple months because he's going to have a sell window here soon, as soon as he signs with the new team because he's definitely not going back to the Titans. So when he signs with a new team, if he wasn't going to a new team and the Titans just kept him, I probably wouldn't have tried to go for him, but I know that he's going to a new team, so I just know that his value is going to it's like playing stocks, man, with this GameStop thing right now. You know, you just got to, eventually you can, you know you're going to decrease in value. You're going to hit that peak, but Corey Davis right now is not at his peak in my opinion. So I uh, just want to touch on that. That's why I really like the NFL going towards that NBA path a little bit more, just because I like to see more moves. It makes things more refreshing in my opinion, uh, gives different teams 
opportunities to improve quicker and for a lot of these teams. And it's just really fun to just watch every offseason. To be honest with you, it gives us a lot of entertainment in the offseason. So this year is going to be one of the best, by the way. I am super excited for this year's offseason. But that's the problem with my mock drafts right now. There's so many questions with all of these quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson goes to Miami, it really changes how I view this draft with Houston picking at number three. And it, the same thing for like uh, for the Colts. Are they going to be trading for Matt Stafford? Are they going to give up a first for Matt Stafford? I have no idea. So I need to see some of these moves start to fall into place before I can really hone in on a mock draft on what teams need because I have no idea right now. Now it's just right for fun. So uh, I'm excited to give you guys a mock draft here in the next couple of weeks and kind of go through my thought process on it. But yeah, these early mock drafts are such a, a shot in the dark in my opinion. But man, doing them is a lot of fun. I just don't use the PFF mock draft simulator in my opinion. So, all right. So what I wanted to do today was the part one of my running back rankings and just going through the top 24, I think is where I'll stop or 25. I don't know. I did 50. I ranked my top 50 guys. So maybe I'll just give you guys half of them now. Um, but I want to go through these guys and give you my opinion on where they fall in dynasty with a quick explanation on my thought process. Why similar to yesterday, uh, hopefully I'll be able to condense it all just like I did yesterday. I was pretty happy yesterday, to be honest with you, because I thought I was going to ramble a lot longer on a lot of the guys, because once you start talking about value and rankings, it's so subjective, right? And it's it's basically all my opinion. But when you get into that mode where you feel like you have to defend your opinion, everybody's seen this where you can definitely ramble on unnecessarily on your defense. So I'm glad I was able to keep it kind of short and sweet yesterday. So I'm going to try to do that again today. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. And with that said, let's get into it. All right, number one, the clear-cut number one in Dynasty, in my opinion, Christian McCaffrey. He is someone who is signed to a long-term deal. Uh, He just got paid, I think it was last year, they signed him to a four-year deal. He's getting a lot of money they use him in the all over the field, the slot. They use him as the running back. I mean, he is that Carolina offense for the most part. He only played three games in 2020, but he was a stud in all three of them. So I think that Christian McCaffrey is still the clear-cut number one dynasty running back. He hasn't shown anything really to fall off of that. I understand that he missed a lot of games this year, but they're not really trying to compete right now, so I don't think that they try to rush him back. I think 2021, they're really going to try and make a statement move for this team. So Christian McCaffrey, still a stud. You know what you're going to get from Christian McCaffrey. If he's healthy, you're going to get probably 20, 25 points every single week in a full PPR. Oh, and by the way, all my rankings for these running backs are for for a full PPR. Um, No bonus per carry or anything like that. Just the standard PPR rankings. Um, I don't really enjoy half point, so that's why I kind of did the full point. But if you want to know where somebody falls in these rankings with a different point system, just feel free to hit me up and I would be happy to give you guys my thoughts on where they should be in the order and kind of rearrange it a little bit for you. But number one, Christian McCaffrey, pretty straightforward. I don't think there's too much 
argument about him. I think most people probably still expect that, and he's still definitely going that high. Number two is the one that is a little interesting to me. I was looking at the ADP earlier today, and he's still going number two, which is shocking to me. But it is Saquon Barkley. I really thought that Saquon would take a hit after 2020 and losing so many games this season. Um, he's been injured quite a bit over the last couple years. And everyone, it, they always say you're injury prone until you're not. I don't think that Saquon Barkley is injury prone, even though he's missed a lot of time to injury so far. But he's just so freaking good, man. He is going to be a stud when he comes back. So I thought with the injury history, he would see a little bit of dip in his ADP. He did not. He is still going number two overall, uh, and that's where I have him as well. So I agree with it, but, man, I was really hoping to buy him cheaper in a couple leagues if I could. Um, Saquon Barkley, again, he's going to be a stud. He is such a great fluid pass catcher out of the backfield, similar to Christian McCaffrey um, and some of these other guys that you're really looking for in the running back position. Uh, All of the top five guys, except for one, have the very amazing ability to catch the ball extremely well. And Saquon Barkley, his he's just such a talent. So he's my number two guy. Um, I understand if you're dropping him a little bit due to injury, but the other thing I want to point out about Saquon Barkley is he's only 23 years old. If you really think about that, a lot of the rookies that are coming in, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, they're both seniors right now in college. They are both coming into the NFL. They'll be drafted at the age of 23. Saquon Barkley's been in the NFL for three years now. So I think that I would definitely take a shot on Saquon, who's been around the NFL for a little while, over someone like Najee Harris, who is going to have that limited window in the NFL. Not saying that Najee Harris is going to be bad. He might be able to perform just as well as Saquon Barkley, but give me the age plus the experience that I've seen with my eyes. So uh, number one, Christian McCaffrey, number two, Saquon Barkley, and number three for me is Dalvin Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook, you can make the argument that he could be number one overall. My biggest problem with Dalvin Cook is two things. One is age. He's a little bit older. I think he just turned 25. He doesn't have all the wear and tear that some of these other guys do, but he is getting towards that, that peak running back age where they start to fall off. And it is somebody that I'm looking to capitalize on selling while I can before he does experience that drop off. Um, The second biggest thing with Dalvin Cook that I'm worried about is this is his first year without a great running back coordinator because Gary Kubiak just retired. He was there last year as well. uh, And by last year, I mean 2019. Uh, So he was there in 2020, 2019. And they had, I forget who it was before Kubiak, but they had a great run game coordinator before him as well. I think it was uh, Pat Shermer or, yeah, Pat Shermer before he actually went to be the Giants head coach. And Pat Shermer is no slouch in the running game either. See Saquon Barkley his first year and also Melvin Gordon this past year. So uh, Dalvin Cook definitely has experienced a lot of great running offensive coordinators. Gary Kubiak retiring does give me a little bit of pause. I don't think they've replaced him at their OC just yet, um, but if they don't get a running guy, it makes me a little nervous. You can bring in a new guy that's kind of running back focused, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be successful. So 
it's a little bit of a red flag around Dalvin Cook, but again, he's still such a sud. They are going to give him the ball. They're going to feed him like crazy. So he's going to get passes out of the backfield. He's going to be the only real runner on this team. And Mike Zimmer is still the head coach, so they're going to want to run the ball like a thousand times a season. So uh, Dalvin Cook will be just fine for volume, uh, but he is someone that I'm looking to kind of move if I can. But two years, if you can get top five performance out of Dalvin Cook for the next two years, I think that's more than enough for the number three overall dynasty pick at running back. All right, number four, I got JT, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Like I said, of the top five guys, only one of them isn't the best pass catcher. Now, Jonathan Taylor has kind of a negative stereotype around him because of the whole draft process. He got a lot of negative criticism about his hands, right? Well, he had 39 catches in 2020. And for somebody who's not good with his hands, that's a lot of catches, man, especially in PPR. And the reason why I have JT at number four is because his rushing volume is going to be insane. They are going to run him into the dirt, and he is such a monster. He looks like a linebacker playing running back. There's no way you should be that big playing running back. He's not as big as Derrick Henry, but still, he is a monster of a human being. So... Jonathan Taylor has all the physical attributes you want to see in a running back, and he's got the workload opportunity as well. And with the Colts potentially having a new quarterback that needs to kind of acclimate to the new system, uh, they're going to try and lean on Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines a little bit more probably in 2021. So I think Jonathan Taylor is locked in for probably 8 to 10 touchdowns minimum And I think that if he can just repeat his pass catching work, there's no way he doesn't finish top five this upcoming season. And he's so young as well. So there's no reason why he shouldn't be a top five running back, in my opinion. All right, number five, Alvin Kamara. And this one's a little surprising to some people just because why is Kamara at five? Shouldn't he be top three? Well, For me, the biggest problem with Kamara is Drew Brees is now retired, and based on the salary cap situation, it's almost guaranteed that New Orleans is going to be rocking with Taysom Hill in 2021 and possibly even 2022. They have a lot of money locked up in Taysom Hill, and when Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill were on the field at the same time, it was not the most exciting uh, fantasy performances we've ever seen, so I think that that's going to be a little bit of a dampener on Alvin Kamara's ceiling. The guy is still a stud. He is one of the best running backs, pure talent-wise, in the NFL. It's just I think that his ceiling is limited because we don't know enough about Taysom Hill to really kind of uh, evaluate what his impact on the offensive skill players is going to be. Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, they might be just fine, but until I see it, I'm a little skeptical. I'm not a big Taysom Hill fan, most of uh, most of people on Twitter are not a fan of Taysom Hill, so we'll see how he impacts this offense, but I think that's the only ding against Kamara. Kamara's still going to be able to bust off a ton of touchdowns. He's going to get a lot of passes, uh, dump-offs, because Sean Payton is great at scheming up his running backs to do that, so he's going to get a lot of volume again, but yeah, I'm just kind of nervous that they're not going to be able to be as efficient this year without Drew Brees. So uh, I have him at five and 
the biggest surprise probably in my rankings based on everything that I'm doing right now is number six. And I have DeAndre Swift at number six. And you're probably saying, wow, that seems pretty high for someone on the Detroit Lions. And I get it completely, right? It's not something that I wanted to do, but it's just how it all played out when I was doing my rankings. Because I want to point out what has been said by the new Lions coaching staff. First, Dan Campbell came out and said that they want to build a culture of just being dudes, guys being dudes, right? Where they're just going to not take any crap from anybody. They're going to really just try and enforce their will on their opponents every single week, which is great. I love that mindset, by the way. And look at who he brought in. He brought in uh, former Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn, and he also brought in former Eagles assistant head coach and running backs coach, Deuce Staley. He has brought in two guys for the offensive side of the ball who are going to really improve the running game. And Deuce Staley has an amazing track record as a running backs coach. And Anthony Lynn was a running back. And look what he did with Austin Eckler uh, the last couple years and Melvin Gordon. He knows how to utilize his running backs. And I know that he was only the offensive coordinator calling plays back in 2016 where LaShawn McCoy uh, only had like 50 catches. First off, 50 catches is amazing. Second off, why are we acting like LaShawn McCoy in 2016 was anywhere near his peak? I'm pretty sure he was like 28 years old. I think that by that point, he had like 8,000 touches in the NFL. It was an insane number. So let's not jump the gun here and say that LaShawn McCoy was still peak LaShawn McCoy when he was under uh, Anthony Lynn. So both of these hires really up DeAndre Swift in my mind. And the fact that they're trying to get rid of Matthew Stafford as well means that they're probably going to take a rookie quarterback in this upcoming draft. And if they're looking at a rookie quarterback, they're going to be looking for somebody to kind of develop a little bit. And they're going to really try and lean on the running game to help that rookie guy out. So all of this points up for DeAndre Swift. And I feel like DeAndre Swift is the forgotten guy of last year's rookie running backs. He went to Detroit and it felt like he disappeared, right? He was still the number two or number one in a lot of people's books in terms of pure talent. In their running back rankings, a lot of people had him number one or number two. And then he went to Detroit and he fell down the list. So I still think that he's got the talent and now he definitely has the opportunity. So number six seems high, but man, I, I'm telling you guys, Use that to get him while you can because he is not being valued at number six. Um, All right, number seven, Cam Akers, another rookie from last year. And the reason why Cam Akers is number seven is because, once again, great pass catcher. Uh, He's a very talented runner, and we really started to see the breakout at the end of 2020. And the reports that are coming out right now from uh, the Rams – is just all of the drama around Jared Goff. They have kind of lost faith in Jared Goff a little bit. And I think that ultimately Jared Goff is going to kind of improve this upcoming year and kind of take a step forward a little bit. But if they do have a loss of faith in their quarterback this year, I think that they're also going to try and lean on Cam Akers a little bit more. And 
If we remember just two years ago, Todd Gurley, even busted up with not the best knees, was a top five running back for this team. Sean McVay can produce fantasy gold from his running back position. So I think that Cam Akers is perfectly primed. The biggest threat to Cam Akers right now is probably Darrell Henderson. And I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon because they used a third round pick on Henderson. I think that they're going to keep him around and they're really going to try and work in a kind of two-headed monster here. And that's the only limit, I think, on Cam Akers' uh, ceiling is just Darrell Henderson stealing touches. I think that he'll probably end up stealing a couple touchdowns and he could steal some of that passing work that you really want to see from Cam Akers. But other than that, I think Cam Akers is going to be a stud, so lock him up while you can. All right, number eight, Antonio Gibson. And I really love this guy. I was on him right after they drafted him last year. I heard the comp, how he used to be a wide receiver. His profile, the way he's built, I mean, he is a stocky freaking dude, man. He is just the guy. If you were ever going to have someone like Ty Montgomery a few years ago for the Packers who went from wide receiver to running back, the biggest problem with Ty Montgomery was he was kind of bigger, like he was taller, but he was just as heavy as he needed to be, right? But because he didn't have that stocky profile, he was getting banged up left, right, and center because of the workload that he was getting. I think he had seven games where he had like 96% of the touches, and he ended up getting injured for a few weeks, and he just never came back after that. But someone like Antonio Gibson, who has that stockier frame, I think that he can take a little bit more of a beating. And the fact that he had over 10 touchdowns his rookie year at the running back position for this team who a lot of people had kind of written off this year. And let's be honest, they weren't the most impressive team. They only had six wins. I think it's really, really impressive that Antonio Gibson was able to put up that many touchdowns. And I know that they always say that touchdowns aren't a sticky stat, but let's be honest, who else is going to be scoring them? Terry McLaurin, they're probably going to add another guy in this year's draft, but I just think that Antonio Gibson is locked in for at least probably 8 to 10 touches, just like Jonathan Taylor. And if he's getting passing work and he's getting a high volume in the run game and he's pretty young, oh, the sky's the limit for this guy. They call him Christian McCaffrey 2.0 for a reason, so go get him while you can. All right, number 9 is a little surprising. It is Ezekiel Elliott. And a lot of people might wonder why I have Zeke so low. And it's a pretty easy explanation. Zeke is very, very old and he is costing this team on the field. Tony Pollard showed this last year that he is actually the more productive running back of the two right now. Zeke just does not look like he used to when he was a rookie and even his sophomore year. He looks like he's lost a step, and that's okay. All these guys seem to lose a step after time. I mean, look at Leonard Fournette. He came out, and he was a top-five pick in the NFL, and his rookie year, he's missed a lot of time due to injuries, same as Zeke, but Leonard Fournette now, when you watch him run, he looks slow. He can still break a lot of tackles. He can do some amazing things, but he doesn't look fast, and that's the same thing I see with Zeke. Zeke can definitely catch the ball better than Leonard Fournette. I'm not arguing that. And he's probably still got a step on old Uncle Lenny. But I just think that Zeke is is getting to that point where he's going to fall off a cliff sooner rather than later. So 
I'm looking to drop Zeke down my rankings while I can. And if I can move him for anything, I'm looking to do it because I really could see this going to a two-headed monster uh, under Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. It's, this wouldn't be the first time that Mike McCarthy's done this in the past. So uh, if anybody remembers James Starks and uh, who was the big boy? Oh, I forget his name, but um, Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy and James Starks. I mean, he made those two compete even though Lacy had definitely the draft capital and the, the contract on James Stark. So I would not be shocked if Tony Pollard has a massive role in 2021. So Zeke, I'm a little nervous about. Um, but he does still have a very high volume floor. So uh, it's not like it's all going to disappear. I just think that the more valuable touches will probably go to Zeke over Tony Pollard um, nor, near the end zone and yeah, I think that Zeke will be okay for fantasy. I just don't think you're going to be able to get what you used to be able to get from him. Um, number 10, Austin Eckler. And this is just purely a talented, I like this guy. He is almost locked in, in my opinion, for like 60 catches this year. And in PPR, that's just so many points. Think about it this way. In PPR, 60 catches is the equivalent of 10 touchdowns, which is huge for a running back, right? If you get 10 touchdowns, you're probably finishing as a definitely an RB2, but probably more than likely an RB1. And if you're getting that just from your catching totals, oh boy, I mean, add on some uh, some touchdowns on top of that and the yardage, man, Austin Eckler is going to be great. His synergy with Justin Herbert is nothing to laugh at. And I know that he kind of burned people this last year because he had that like massive, severe hamstring injury, but those are so fluky. I'm not, that's not something that I'm expecting him to kind of linger around for the next couple of years. Like you can have with an ACL or an MCL strain or tear, right? So Austin Eckler, I think that he's locked in for quite a few catches and I think that he'll be just fine. And again, they signed him last year to a four-year deal. I think that he's not going anywhere for the next couple of years. So He's definitely someone that can help you win a championship if you need him. Um, number 11 for me, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And this is kind of a drop-off. He's still number three from last year's rookies, but he has definitely fallen down in my book a little bit. And the biggest problem with Clyde Edwards-Alaire is just that he does not pass block. And if you can't pass block, it's very hard to keep you on the field for the passing plays, right? So that's what we've seen all year. And Clyde started pretty hot, but he got a little banged up in the middle of the season. He just hasn't really been himself this playoff run. And everyone's kind of giving him crap because against the uh, the Buffalo Bills, he didn't look that good. But remember, he is coming off a high ankle sprain. Sometimes that takes like eight weeks to recover from. He's coming off, a, off of it, I think, like right at four weeks. So there's probably a little bit of lingering pain that he's dealing with. Um, I'm excited to see him in the Super Bowl. I think that could be a very good resurgence for his value after the Super Bowl. They might lean on him pretty heavily, but yeah, Clyde Edwards Alaire, people are very down on him right now, and I get why. But let's remember, he's a first round pick. This is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're gonna find a way to make him valuable. I don't care if it's the Darren Sproles role for this team, he will get his fantasy points. So don't write off Clyde Edwards-Alaire yet. I understand that he's not the greatest for the touchdowns, but 
you can have a great fantasy option without touchdowns. I know that I just said touchdowns are king, but you can still be very, very good even without the touchdowns. And I am really looking forward to seeing what he does this offseason to improve his pass protection, to definitely be on the field more often, to get more passes thrown his way. All right, number 12, Derrick Henry. And it just felt wrong, just like Ryan Tannehill with the quarterbacks, to not have Derrick Henry as an RB1. And King Henry, he is such a stud, but this is full PPR. And I know that doesn't really matter when Derrick Henry's putting up like 30 points even in a PPR because he's just scoring like three touchdowns in a week. But we got to remember, Derrick Henry is getting older and he is an anomaly. So I'm not using the standard just, oh, he's over 26 years old. He's hit the wall. He's done. It's not true. We haven't seen it yet. He doesn't show any signs of slowing down. And I mean, he doesn't look like your standard running back as it is. So to say that he's going to do the standard running back things of falling off the same time, it's just kind of lazy analysis to me. So Derrick Henry hasn't slowed down at all. But the problem with Derrick Henry is it is PPR and he doesn't get a lot of passes for the running back position. And he does start pretty slow every single year. The playoff Derrick Henry jokes are alive and well for a reason. He comes off and he comes on in the second half of the season and just goes off, right? So if you're only paying for like half a season of amazing production, it's still more than enough for me for an RB1, but you do have to temper your expectations a little bit because if you're getting all of his fantasy points in the second half, that's amazing because he's going to help you win championships, but you're going to struggle getting to the playoffs in some years just because Derrick Henry's kind of screwing you a little bit early on in the season. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on Henry. Plus he is 27. Um, He's over that magical 26 wall, but that end is coming eventually. We just don't know when it'll be here. So Derrick Henry will fall off eventually, but as of right now, I'm not seeing it. So he's number 12 for me. All right, now number 13, I have Najee Harris. And like I said, I'm including a bunch of rookies in here just because there's a lot of crazy people out there doing startup drafts right now. So I'm going to be throwing these rookies in here. And Najee Harris is number 13 for me because I think that Najee Harris is going to go to a good team. We just don't know which one yet. There are quite a few options where he might end up landing. Um, And if he lands on any of these four teams, his dynasty value will skyrocket in the draft. So those four teams are the San Francisco 49ers, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Miami Dolphins, right? So if he lands on any of those four teams, he's going to be the workhorse. He's going to be a stud. And Najee Harris is a beast, man. He, I know he's older and that's kind of why I'm a little bit more down on him. Uh, in Dynasty, he's going to be 23 when he gets into the NFL. And that 26-year-old window for running backs, when they typically start to fall off, is usually due to the fact that most of these guys come out and they're 21, 22 years old. By the time they get 26, they have quite a few, closer to like 1,500 to 2,000 touches in the NFL, maybe even 2,500, which is just crazy that LeSean McCoy had over 10,000 as a running back. But Usually they're just kind of hitting their load kind of limit, right? Where 
they're just their bodies are starting to give out. It's it's harder and harder and harder for them to recover and be as efficient as they were when they were younger. So the fact that he's coming out in 23, he doesn't have that many touches from college. He's just older, right? He just started college at an older age. So I'm not going to ding him too much for that. That's not a huge concern for me, but um, until we see where he lands, it's hard to evaluate exactly how high Najee Harris could go. But of all the running backs, him and Travis Etienne, they are the two that could massively return on their value. And Najee Harris, for me, is my my RB1 in this upcoming class. His pass catching is just so much more fluid than Travis Etienne, and I think that they're about the same on the ground, and they're both amazing talents. So uh, Najee Harris at 13 feels just right for me. Number 14, Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones is going to be a free agent. There's like a 0% chance in my mind that he's going to be back to the Green Bay Packers, especially after that game of the two fumbles and then getting injured. It's just, and I understand that those fumbles, if you watch that game, they weren't entirely his fault. Um, I hate this about the NFL playoffs and and just the NFL in general. Those helmets are so freaking hard, man. And these DBs, and I understand it's a very hard job to play a defensive back right now in the NFL. There's so many rules that are slated towards the offense, and I'm not trying to give them a pass for that, but the fact that these guys just like try to spear the ball out of people's arms. Okay, you're you're leading with the helmet and you're not aiming your head towards their head anymore. That's they've been really kind of outlawing that a lot these last couple of years, but you're just drilling your helmet this hard hard object right into these guys' arms. I mean, that has to freaking hurt, man. I I'm not as strong and nearly as tough as half these guys, but I mean, shoot, man, these guys are running like how fast, just beaming you right in the arm with their helmet. It's easy enough to break a bone if they hit you just right. So I really want to see them get rid of that. Um, Both of the Aaron Jones fumbles this last week were the defensive back just came up with his helmet and just hit him right in the arm, right in the ball. It wasn't the, the punch out that we've seen so many times in the past, but yeah, just those head shots right to the ball. So, it, like I said, it wasn't really Aaron Jones' fault. I don't know what you're supposed to do as a running back against that. So, um, I think that it is going to sour a lot of people on Aaron Jones. This is a great buy window for Aaron Jones, um, if you believe in the talent like I do. And wherever he goes, whether it's the Seahawks, whether it's uh, one of those four teams I mentioned for Najee Harris, whether it's like the New York Jets, for example, wherever he ends up, he is going to be such a stud no matter what. I mean, right now with the Green Bay Packers, he was killing it this season and that was in a timeshare. I mean, how many carries did Jamal Williams have? How many targets did Jamal Williams have? Everyone just kept saying feed Aaron Jones because he was by far the best running back on this team, but uh, they just didn't want to do it. So even if he goes to a timeshare, I think that Aaron Jones is more than enough to be good enough to be an RB, potentially an RB1, depending on the landing spot. But right now, his age and the uncertainty with his landing spot is why I have him down here at 14 overall. Now, number 15, I actually have J.K. Dobbins, the fourth of last year's rookie running backs. And J.K. Dobbins' biggest problem to me right now is just the pass-catching work in a full PPR. He was one of the most electric runners of 
the football in the NFL this year. He was so explosive, and he's on the best ground game team in the entire NFL. But the biggest problem with it is by being the best ground game team, running team, they do not pass the ball enough, and especially to the running back position. They don't dump it off at all. So if you're only averaging about three targets a game, that is not enough in a full PPR to really kind of float you. So he really needs to have a lot of touchdowns and a lot of explosive runs on the ground, which I think he can do. But I think without the pass catching work, I think that really just limits his ceiling. I think he has a perfectly high floor because of how explosive he is. But I would not be shocked if there are weeks where he does kind of screw you a little bit, uh, where he gets less than double digit points because they just can't get him in the end zone or Lamar steals one or something like that and he's not getting the nice bump up in his floor because of the pass catching work so J.K. Dobbins great talent but there are some massive concerns for me and especially the other main concern around J.K. Dobbins is just the fact that they love to go with these committee approaches in their running backs so it does make me a little nervous to kind of trust one guy for this team. So it did have to ding him a little bit, in my opinion. All right, number 16 here is Nick Chubb. And this feels so hard. When I was doing these running back rankings, outside of the top six, or maybe even the top eight, it gets so, so hair thin between these guys, right? Nick Chubb is an amazing talent. He's probably one of the best pure runners in the NFL, but we saw it in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. The dude has hands of stone, and he can make good catches at times, but it is not his forte. It's not his specialty, right? So if Nick Chubb is kind of limited by his pass-catching abilities and the fact that he's almost to the point where he's a free agent, I think 2021 is his final year of his contract because he was not a first-round pick, so they don't have a fifth-year option on him. I would not be shocked if they let him walk because they have Kareem Hunt under contract for much, much longer than Nick Chubb. And Kareem Hunt in the same game looked just as good as Nick Chubb. So there's no knock from me on Nick Chubb's talent. Like I said, he is an amazing runner of the football, but he does have a little bit of uncertainty. I don't know if he's good enough where teams are going to want to sign him to a big second contract, which at that point, he could potentially screw you out of, uh, he could go the Jordan Howard route where he just kind of bounces around and just wastes roster space at that point. So I'm hoping that's not the case for Nick Chubb. Um, But yeah, if anybody remembers Jordan Howard, it is very similar to Nick Chubb where they're not the best pass catchers and they're very, very talented. Jordan Howard was a much later pick than Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb was a second round pick, but I'm just nervous that nobody's going to be able to sign him to a big contract, big second contract. So Nick Chubb, 16 overall. Again, it is pretty razor thin at this point between these guys. All right, number 17, I actually have uh, David Montgomery with the Chicago Bears. And again, similar to Nick Chubb, he is just kind of a, a product of his environment almost a little bit. And what we saw in 20. 20 was an amazing breakout by David Montgomery, but the unknowns at the quarterback position make me very nervous. And the fact that he did all of this 
when it kind of seemed to be the stars aligning for him, where everything lined up for David Montgomery as best as he could possibly hope for because uh, Tariq Cohen went out, they really dumped the ball off, and it was not, they really had a really easy run slate at the end of the year where they were playing a bunch of bottom run defense teams. And that's where you want your guys to really kind of eat up against their defenses when they're playing positive matchups. But I just don't know if David Montgomery will be able to sustain that going forward. And Matt Nagy is the head coach. He does not always kind of lean into the run as much as he should. So that could also limit David Montgomery as well. And I love this guy. I invested everywhere in David Montgomery. So having him at 18 overall, it feels disrespectful considering he was like RB4 this year, I think it was. And I think that he could definitely repeat that. But the equal chance is that he falls to low RB2 just the same. Because with Tariq Cohen coming back, I think that really kind of limits him in the passing game. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they start using Tariq Cohen as a slot wide receiver. I, I can't really tell you what's going to happen. But yeah, it it does give me some concern and some pause on David Montgomery. The guy is very, very talented, though. I think that uh, he had a lot of hate going into last year. And he really blew that out of the water. It hurts me to put him down here at 17, but oh man, he's got to, somebody has to fall, right? So, um, number 18 overall for me, Travis Etienne. Um, again, he's the second rookie running back coming into the league this year. I think that he's going to go to one of those four teams. Personally, I think he's going to go to Buffalo. That's where I have him going in my mock draft right now. And it's painfully obvious that Buffalo needs a running back. And their run game is just suffering right now. There's a lot of people who are Devin Singletary truthers, Zach Moth truthers, but let's be clear. Josh Allen is the number one running back on this team, and it's not even close. They need a guy that they can lean on and make this a more wholesome offense because Josh Allen, he had a breakout year this year, but they need somebody that can kind of open up the passing game by making them afraid of the run, and it can't be just Josh Allen. They need a running back that will scare them. And I think between uh, Travis Etienne, uh, Devin Singletary, and Zach Moss, Etienne being the primary guy, the the like 60% touch guy, I think that they would have a solid offense around them. And if you look at the Buffalo Bills too, by the way, they don't have too many holes on this team. They have very minor holes. So if anybody's going to take a running back in the first round, in my mind, it is definitely the Buffalo Bills, maybe the Steelers, but yeah, I think it's going to be the Buffalo Bills, and I think that Travis Etienne really fits that mold a little bit better than someone like Najee Harris. So that's my prediction, and that's why I'm ranking him here at 18 because I'm basing it off that prediction. It'll change after the actual NFL draft, but Etienne is a very talented guy. He can he can catch the ball, um, but he's just not the most fluid at it. He is above average, I would say but uh, definitely not the worst in the NFL at that point. But if he does go to Buffalo, I can see Josh Allen stealing a lot of touchdowns from him and um, really kind of him being limited in the committee role of that team. All right, number 19 here, Miles Sanders with the Philadelphia Eagles. And Miles Sanders is someone who is very tough to rank right now because of all the changes to the Eagles. They brought in a new head coach, uh, 
the Colts offensive coordinator. I don't really know what to expect from this guy. He didn't call the plays. So what is he going to really lean on? Is he going to be a passing game guy? He was a quarterback's coach for a couple years. So the, the rumors are that he's brought in to kind of save Carson Wentz, but Miles Sanders with Carson Wentz was not that great. Um, Miles Sanders with Jalen Hurts, he had one really great game, one mediocre game. Uh, so it's really hard to just predict what's actually going to happen with Miles Sanders. I think that Miles Sanders is extremely talented, but where and how are they going to use him going forward? So without knowing that, I think I'm just ranking him at 19 just based off of talent. He could ultimately move up at the end of this year in my rankings, but I just need to see something from this team before I can commit to putting him higher for Dynasty. So Miles Sanders, love the talent, love, love, love the talent. But yeah, there's a lot of major red flags in my mind. Now, number 20 is Joe Mixon and... Uh, Joe Mixon stands on Twitter are some of the most annoying in my opinion. The guy is extremely talented, but he is so injury prone. At this point, I understand what they say. You're injury prone until you're not. I talked about it earlier, but Joe Mixon is injury prone. He's missed multiple games every single season in the NFL. I don't think that he can sustain a full 16 game slate until he does it. I'm predicting he's not going to be able to do it. So the fact that he can't play 16 games and it's more likely he'll play 13, 14 if you're really lucky, that's pretty critical to me for fantasy. For real NFL, it's probably not as big a deal. But for fantasy, if you're only getting 13 to 14 games out of a guy and he's playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, they're going to try and improve that this offseason. But it's unclear if they're going to be able to fully rebuild that offensive line in one year. So if that's the case, man, there's just some still some massive red flags. And again, even when Joe Mixon is healthy, he has some amazing potential and some super amazing bursts and explosiveness. But at the same time, he does have some games where he's just super inconsistent for no reason whatsoever. He drops some passes, he misses some balls, misses some holes. And you just don't know what to expect from him. So with that inconsistency and the kind of red flags of the injury, that's why I have him down here at 20 overall. It would not shock me if he finished top 10, but right now I cannot commit to putting him that highly because it just would feel disingenuous by me. So yeah, unfortunately, Joe Mixon stance will probably come after me and try and kill me, but you know, that's what it is. So number 21 here, Josh Jacobs and same with Joe Mixon, man. Josh Jacob fans are some of the most insufferable guys in the entire Twitterverse right now because nothing is Josh Jacobs fault. And Josh Jacobs is a great talent. Don't get me wrong. He's a, a great runner of the football, but I predicted this last season between last offseason. I predicted this. They were not going to use him in the passing game. John Gruden came out. Oh, yeah, we're going to use him in the passing game. Mike Mayock. Oh, yeah, we're going to use him in the passing game. Meanwhile, they signed Jalen Richard to a long-term contract. They bring in Devonta Booker. They sign like four wide receivers that are more slot guys. There's no chance in hell 
that what they did on paper matched up with what they were telling you guys and the media. And I predicted this, but he only had about 34, 35 tar- or catches this year. He had a few more targets than last year. He paced out a few more targets, but it wasn't enough to make him viable as an RB1. His workload on the ground is just not enough. And especially with this team, they're very limited right now because of who they have as their quarterback. I mean, let's be honest with it. Derek Carr, he's just not a great quarterback. Um, You'll never convince me otherwise. I mean, he's serviceable as a quarterback, but he's not going to be able to, to really carry you through the games. And if that's the case, I mean, if your offense isn't just having games where they win super, super easy, it's not great for the running back. I mean, look at the Minnesota Vikings. The reason why Dalvin Cook was so great in some of his games is because they just came out early and got a lead, and they were able to just smash you into the ground in those games. And that's really great for the running back because it just gives you a lot of volume. And he had a ton of volume. It's just it was inconsistent volume. In games where they were losing, he was not on the field. And, yeah, it just it wasn't pretty for Josh Jacobs. And I'm very skeptical about this team, the Raiders team going forward. I'm not a big fan of what they're doing. So I cannot in good conscience put him as an RB1 or even a top half RB2. So I think that 21 overall is roughly where he deserves to be. In two years, there's going to be enough guys, I think, in the NFL that are pass catchers that are going to be able to blow Jacobs out of the water in a production standpoint. So I'm out on Josh Jacobs, but his name value is much higher. You could probably sell him as an RB1 if you really wanted to and use mine, my rankings, if I'm predicting him to be a low-end RB2, and you can sell him for an RB1 return. That's definitely worth it. So that's just my opinion. All right, number 22 here. James Robinson is my guy here, and my only concern about James Robinson, I loved everything I saw about him on the field and on tape this year. My only concern is, Will Jacksonville bring in another guy? That's the only question I have because it's a new head coach. It's a new quarterback. It's a new offensive coach, uh, offensive coordinator, whole new system. They have no allegiance to this guy. It's a new general manager as well. So there's nobody in the building that's attached to James Robinson. Love him or not, undrafted rookie, he really performed. But we've seen this multiple times where these guys just go on to tear it up. Philip Lindsay was another guy, right? Where he went out there his rookie year, killed it for fantasy, and they just moved on from him the next year because they just don't trust these guys. They're undrafted. Why they're undrafted for a reason, right? But even if he is by far the best option, I'm just nervous that they're gonna bring in another guy. But until we see that, James Robinson could be the steal of the offseason. If they bring nobody in in the draft and you're able to get this guy for cheap right now, oh man, he could be a stud going forward for fantasy. So just keep that in mind. 22 seems fair, but I mean, if you told me that they weren't bringing in anybody, I mean, he would be a probably top 14 running back for me just because of how good he was for fantasy this last year. All right, number 23 Pretty straightforward for me. It is Chase Edmonds with the Arizona Cardinals. And 
I didn't think like this was too big of a reach at this point. Chase Edmonds is kind of weird to value because he is good, but he's not at the same time. He has games where he really performs well. And then at the same time, he has games where he just disappears. So if that's the case, I don't know. I think that he definitely has the potential to be an RB2. And he's definitely going to be around for a couple more years with this team. So he's got two more years. And if they're going to dump it off to him, if he's going to be the primary guy for the next two years, that's more than enough for me to commit to him uh, in the short term. Because running backs are usually short-term buys for me. I'm not looking for these guys to have them for 10 years like a wide receiver or a quarterback. They're guys that I want in the next two to three years to help me push for a title. And I think Chase Edmonds could be that guy to help you push for a title. He's going to be getting a lot of pass-catching opportunities because of the uh, Cliff Kingsbury system down there in Arizona. And he is the by far number one guy because there's no chance that Arizona brings back Kenyon Drake this year. So he's not going to be having him eat up all of his targets this year and his opportunity as much. So Chase Edmonds at 23 felt pretty fair to me. Uh, Let me know what your guys' thoughts are on him. He was tough to value for me, so let me know what your thoughts are. All right, and the last one I'm going to go over today, number 24 on my list is A.J. Dillon with the Green Bay Packers. And if anybody watched that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this last weekend, the conference championship game, you saw that that carry by A.J. Dillon where he just carried the Tampa Bay defender like four yards on his back. He was just dragging those guys down the field. And the biggest comp that you could give A.J. Dillon would be Derrick Henry. Fair or not, lazy or not, Derrick Henry is the best comp for A.J. Dillon. They're the same size. I think Derrick Henry just has a couple inches on A.J. Dillon in height, but they're the same weight. Uh, They're the same kind of style they're both those bruiser guys that are not the best pass catchers and man with Aaron Jones out of Green Bay in my book I think that they're really going to lean on AJ Dillon and Jamal Williams I think that they're going to bring Jamal Williams back but they could let Jamal Williams walk as well they have uh, no running backs on their roster technically besides AJ Dillon at this point they're going to probably bring somebody back. I just think it's going to be Jamal because he's going to be cheaper. But uh, if it's AJ Dillon alone, man, he's going to shoot up even higher in my rankings. But uh, as of right now, I think they're going to bring somebody back and I think it's going to be a two-headed split. And AJ Dillon will probably have some down games because similar to Josh or uh, JK Dobbins, where he they're not going to get a ton of targets, but to really pump up their floor. But They're going to have an amazing touchdown total at the end of the year, probably a decent amount of yardage in the rushing game. And if that's all you, if you're going to have spotty games here or there, if you can kind of get to the point where you can predict which ones are going to be which, uh, I think that he'll be startable and we'll be able to kind of have an idea on A.J. Dillon going forward. So I think that he's going to be someone that's going to be a potential massive riser at the end of the offseason, but. We'll see how that kind of shakes out. But yeah, 24 running backs here. Part one of my uh, running back rankings. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Real quick, I'll just go over it one more time for you. Number one, Christian McCaffrey. Number two, Saquon Barkley. Number three, Dalvin Cook. 
Number four, JT Jonathan Taylor. Number five, Alvin Kamara. Number six, DeAndre Swift. Number seven, Cam Akers. Number eight, Antonio Gibson. Number nine, Ezekiel Elliott. Number 10, Austin Eckler. Number 11, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Number 12, uh, Derrick Henry. Number 13, Najee Harris. Number 14, Aaron Jones. Number 15, J.K. Dobbins. Number 16, Nick Chubb. Number 17, uh, David Montgomery. Number 18, Travis Etienne. Number 19, Miles Sanders, number 20, Joe Mixon, and 21 was Josh Jacobs, 22, James Robinson, 23, Chase Edmonds, and A.J. Dillon to cap it off at 24. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are on these rankings. Uh, It was tough. Like I said, some of these were razor thin between uh, Nick Chubb and David Montgomery. Which one do I put above them for fantasy? In real life, I'd probably take Nick Chubb over David Montgomery, but it gets tough. It's so close at that point. So let me know what your guys' thoughts are. I will be taking a day off tomorrow to finish my wide receiver rankings, but uh, Friday morning you guys should be expecting, uh, or sorry, Saturday morning you guys should be expecting the wide receiver rankings part one. So I'll be giving you guys the top 24 wide receivers at that time. Um, Looking forward to doing that. Episode number two of the week, another hour in. Hopefully you guys are enjoying these podcasts. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to do it daily like a lot of these guys out there, but my goal is to try and give you guys a little bit more content this offseason. So let me know if you guys like this, how you guys are thinking about it. You can find me over on Twitter once again at TDC underscore Calvin or on the Dynasty After Dark Facebook page. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great night, have a great week, and good night. Thank you.